Panoply, Panorama, Panpipe, Pansy, Aha, Pansexual, Knowing No Boundaries of Sex or Gender. Sound interesting? Then join Sally on Sundays at noon for Out of the Pan. All those gender questions making you think too hard? Whether it's transgender, bisexual, polyamorous or beyond, we'll throw those questions into the pan and cook up the answers for you. So go on, push that gender envelope only on 3CR 855 AM digital and 3cr.org.au.
3CR 855 AM, 3CR digital, 3cr.org.au and 3CR On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally first broadcasting noon till one every Sunday afternoon. Thanks for your company. 3CR proudly broadcasts from the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and we pay respect to Elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge any Aboriginal and or Torres Strait Islander people who are listening in to the program via whichever means. If you want to get in touch with the show, lots of ways to do it. You can email outofthepan855 at gmail.com, SMS 61456751215. You can tweet at Sal Gold said so, and that's the bottom line. And you can look for the posts on Facebook on my page, Sally Goldner, or on Out of the Pan 3CR 855 AM Melbourne. And a reminder that any opinions on the show are strictly my own. Well, um, also, um, you can join in the conversation on Twitter or Facebook um, during the program live or contact me after the program today. And, well, um, it is my pleasure to welcome to the show today someone who's just keen to share their story, which I always love to hear touched on that last week. Um, stories I just think is just so powerful and so important when connection and visibility are vital for diverse communities and it is my um, pleasure to welcome to the show today uh, Bippin Pillai. Pillai, sorry. Um, um, welcome Bippin. Thanks Ali. And as we do on the program because um, everyone's gender is important, I use the pronouns she, her if someone doesn't know my name and needs to perhaps describe me in some way. Can I just check in if it's okay which pronouns you use, if any? I prefer he. Hey, thanks, Bippin. Well, I'm going to let you, I'm going to start with a very general quest, um, dive in a bit. I could say, Just... tell us a bit about yourself. Um, and that leaves lots of thoughts. Anything you want to talk about, really, uh, away you go. Okay. Um, now, I came here in um, 2003 to do a postgraduate degree at the University of Melbourne. Mm-hmm. And um, after um, finishing that, uh, I've been um, working. I worked a few years as a researcher at Melbourne Uni, and then I shift careers, and now I work as an analyst. Now, um, I did mention that I came here to do a postgraduate degree. Um, an interesting part of that is um, one of the reasons I left India, because I'm originally from India, one of the reasons I left India was um, because around that time, which is the early 2000s, being um, queer was still not legal in India. So part of the reason I came here was um, also to move to a place where it's legal. Uh, yeah, so um, I would... I think that sort of uh, gives uh, a reasonably good background for myself, Sally. But you know, if, if, you've got, if you would like to know anything specific, feel free to ask. Look, you've get, given a really good, um, if I can use my accounting training or management training, an executive summary, and there's um, so much more to um, you know flesh out there. Um, and I think I know as well, given the nature of this program, I'm going to have to dive in. I mean, I feel very grateful that 
from just from whatever I've been through, you know, at least I haven't been hugely criminalised in my time here. And there's also other things I'll talk about as well. But um, if it's okay, if, um, you know, you touched on it that it was not, in your words, it was not legal to be queer in India in the early 2000s. And of course, that didn't change until the late 2010s. Can you tell us a little more about that? Oh, it actually you know, changed a couple of years ago. Yeah, a couple of years ago. Yeah, just um, as yeah. we approached 2020, but um, and there were lots of court battles and that sort of thing. But I think the th the thing is, you know, perhaps you know, for all the you know the issues that people in Australia face, and I'll just say queer people for now. Um, perhaps we can't imagine what it's like to have. Um, or, you know, I shouldn't say we, um, particularly those who are my age bracket and, and younger, older people obviously can remember the times where um, homosexuality and, as it was called, cross-dressing were criminalised. But what was that like um, growing up, um, knowing obviously you had a sense of awareness of yourself, but then there was this criminalisation? Now, this is, the, this is the interesting part, right? Um, See, there's hardly any sex education in India at that point. I think it's changed a lot now, but at, at that point, um, there was hardly any. Um, I remember the only sex education I had was, <laughs> was this, um, I studied in a Catholic school and um, there was this event where um, we had uh, uh, a few people associated with the church um, showing us videos of the sexually transmitted diseases, and that was all the sex education I got, right? So, um, interestingly, um, I've, you know, my exposure to sex is quite minimal until I was like 14 or 15. Um, you know, I didn't, I didn't even know what that meant, and this would sound um, quite, uh, you know, ridiculous to people here, but that was the reality of my bringing up. And um, it was still um, a few years after that that I realized I was queer. Mm -hmm. um, um, and that happened because I was um, exposed to pornography when um, I was um, doing my undergrad. And by, you know, from friends, it was, it was really not my choice. I was in a room with others and they started watching it. And I just noticed that they were sort of um, pretty excited by what they saw and not me. And I just, I was wondering why and uh, yeah, and and that made me understand I was queer. Mm -hmm. it, it was quite difficult because um, I come from a very traditional Indian family. And until that point, I was sort of like the perfect son, you know, the pretty good at academics. Um, my parents were, you know, quite proud of me and all that. So all of a sudden, when this came up, it was quite difficult for me to process. And um, I would say it was also um, pretty bad for my mental health. And around the time I applied for my postgrad over here, um, I, I, I sort of knew that if I did not get out of India, uh, it's going to be um, yeah really, really bad for me because there is this thing I really wanted to speak about, but just could not get the courage to speak about. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you can, you can understand how um, difficult that was. And uh, recently, uh, after I came out and after I moved to Australia, I got in touch with a few non-governmental organizations that work with people who are queer. Mm-hmm. And uh, till a couple of years ago, suicides among gay men and, you know, and other members of the queer community were really common. Um, I, I spoke to this guy who was running a, 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 an NGO that reached out to people who were queer. And, uh, you know, he probably knew maybe a couple of thousand people. And of that, th- there was at least 20 people um, who either killed themselves or tried to kill themselves. So, so you can see how difficult it is. Oh, look, definitely. definitely, And it's a, a perfectly valid thing. We would um, add that, um, you know, that if there's anything difficult for any listeners in this content, please talk to someone, including um, QLife on 1800 184527, which includes Switchboard in Tasmania. Don't have to worry now, cause I'm by your side. So 
Isolated, quarantined, need some essentials but can't leave the house? Or just having a hard time dealing with everything at the moment? Queer Aid NAM is a new mutual aid group of organized volunteers. We're here, we're queer, and we've got your back. Whether or not that's how you identify, nobody should be suffering because capitalism or the state didn't provide what they needed. That's why we're working to strengthen our communities through solidarity. Put in a request for help and we'll match you with a volunteer in your area who can either pick up groceries or other essentials for you, help you run errands, cook meals for you, or check in with how you're going. If you or someone you know is having a hard time, or if you want to join the volunteer list, find us on QueerAidMelbourne.org or search for us via Facebook. COVID-19 Queer Aid Nam Melbourne. So tell your family and your friends and don't forget your neighbours. That's QueerAidMelbourne.org, a 3CR supporter. Transgender, and I'm, I don't think I'd heard of, bi- I'd heard bisexual, um, but didn't resonate with me until 29. So I can if it's some consolation and affirmation relate very, very much to what you've been through. And, um, you know, I can also 
understand those family and religious and cultural pressures that would have made you think that you had to, sad as it, I suppose sad as it is, leave your homeland, um, which, you know, um, would, would not have been a, a I imagine would not have been a, a, a straightforward decision to do that. Yeah, that's correct. Because, um, you know, um, ultimately, um, no one likes um, going really, really far away from family uh, if they have a choice. I think that's, that's my belief. Um, you know, we all like to um, have families reasonably close and it was a difficult decision for me. Yeah. But then I, I knew I had to uh, do it if, if I were to live a life where um, I was being honest to myself. So, yeah. So important to be honest yourself. I'm talking with Bipin Pillai about his journeys in every sense of the word, um, starting in India and with, in terms of mental health and queerdom. So you got here, I just, um, if it's okay to ask, um, just, you know, moving away from queer for a second, what exactly was your field of um, postgraduate study, research, and now an, and being an analyst? I just didn't quite pick that up because that's, you're, yeah, you're um, a whole person. Yeah, when I was at Melbourne Uni, I was um, doing research into um, optical signal processing, basically processing light using light. That, that was what I was doing. And then after that, I was doing a bit of research into energy efficiency in telecommunications. Wow. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Keep going, <laughs> and, keep going. <laughs> and then... Um, Around 2016, um, I decided I, I wanted to move out of university and do something a little bit different for 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 change for for a change, and um, yeah, and then and then I decided to be an analyst, and now I'm working um, with a fintech startup, which provides. Uh, Sorry, I didn't quite catch that. You're working with a. It's, it's, it's a startup that deals with financial technology. Oh, okay. And, and um, uh, we provide um, services to banks. And uh, yeah, it, it's, it's going uh, pretty well uh, despite of COVID. And yeah, we've got, we got a few uh, big clients as well. So it's all going very well. Well, that's, that's good to hear. I mean, I, uh, it's just a, you know, look, I say with driest of humour, I, um, left sides behind at the end of what, well, what was called Form 4 for my era and is now Year 10, um, 10th grade, call it which you will. But I, I seriously admire people who have that sort of scientific type of skill or electronic skill because I know I don't. And I just think that, you know, the, the things you were talking about, which I admit go way beyond my expertise, just sound <laughs> amazing. And that now you're you know, putting those into society using all those skills and you know, so it's just fantastic that um, you've got all, all those skills to fall back on. Was that, I'm just curious, was that something when you were at school that your perhaps academic and we'll say intellectual capacity were things that you could fall back on, um, you know, as a sense of reassurance? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've always been uh, good academically. So, yeah, so that was um, something that uh, gave me a reasonable amount of confidence. Definitely. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it's good. It's so important to have something to fall back on. And we know, sadly, sometimes queer people perhaps don't have um, that one sense of a, a foundation or a cushion behind them. So it is good that you've had that. And it's now, I really say it's so ex it's excellent that people can achieve their potential for themselves and those they care about and society overall. That's just you know, sensational yeah, to hear. Yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate uh, that way, Sally, in the sense, um, yeah, I was, um, I was good academically and I also had a family background where I could pursue it. So, yeah, that, mm. that was, um, yeah, definitely useful. Yeah, you know, to have that family support in that area was huge. But as you said, you went to a Catholic school and, well, I went for what it was worth to an Anglican school, so there was that strong emphasis on religion and we i don't think we got anything on sex education at all in the 1970s um and from what i hear there's still not huge amounts everywhere on anything let alone on queer lgbtiqa plus was the faith um a factor that you've had to sort of find a, how to how that fits in for the whole person um of, and whether you, whether you was it important to you is it still or has it changed in any way well um to be honest i i'm from a, a hindu background mm -hmm. so um now um in, in the catholic school all that we were told was don't have sex that's yeah that's <laughs> effectively the, the education we got it's probably going to be it's probably different now right if this is into in, in long back like more than 20 years back so i'm sure it's, it'll definitely be different now um now interestingly uh, the, 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 there's nothing in um, hinduism against um, homosexuality uh -huh. in, in the religion as such um Whatever issues that queer people face in India are more due to culture than due to religion. Uh -huh. So it's, it's, it's more due to the cultural practices. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and, and, and as I grew up and um, became an adult, I would say I became what you would say more spiritual than religious. Yeah. So, like, for example, over here, um, I go quite regularly to a Buddhist center. And um, uh, if, if it comes to religion, um, you know, I practice, um, my religion at the moment is, you know, I practice yoga, I practice meditation. And I believe it's, it's likely that, that there is more to the world than we get through our six senses. It's highly likely there is stuff beyond that. And that's, that's all there is to it. I, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think there is far more. Um, you know, it's been called many things throughout the years. Um, spirit, force, creativity, or as an author in 1910 called it, the formless stuff, um, a guy called William Wattles. Um, and his, his teachings, uh, once the copyright ran out many years later, was what became the basis for the somewhat commercialized approach of the secret but i agree with you there is something that connects us in some way and connects us to plants and animals and everything and you know i think there's a lot in that and i think that that you know shows a huge you know just a, a level of length depth and breadth of thinking that's really you know I, I agree with you and i mean faith 
and religion, of course, are sometimes the same, but sometimes they're not too. And I just think having that, and that's another word we could use there as well. So you've, you know, you've really got that, um, you know, a, a very solid base going there, uh, which is oh, excellent. Thanks, thanks, Ali. And, and, and I have to add that um, unlike someone who is from an Abrahamic religious background mm. where th there are certain um, religious texts, that may openly denounce homosexuality. I, I did not face that problem being from a Hindu background, but um, the resentment I faced was all uh, related to um, cultural practices rather than um, religion. Because in, in India, the expectation is that, you know, you, you, you have an arranged marriage, uh, you marry and uh, you produce, um, the next generation for the family so that's the expectation and anything that's that sort of goes against it um, is quite hurtful for your parents don't ever quit and let life get on top of you work it out what means the most Work it out, what you can't live without Don't roll over and say you can't make it Don't lie down and wail and moan The only one who's listening you 
Don't ever quit and let life get on top of you. Work it out. What means the most? Work it out. What you can't live without. You mentioned that um, you know traditional in Indian family, the perfect son thing. That's now I see you know where that's coming in, and that you know would have been a factor of pressure as well to try to have to navigate that one to some extent. Yeah, 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 definitely, yeah, um, yeah. Just, um, just sort of you know not being someone um, who was sort of meeting um, what my parents thought was idealistic uh, to someone who sort of definitely called the boxes. Yeah, that was, that was a bit difficult for me. And it was also um, very difficult for my family when I came out. Uh, yeah, it led to, um, uh, there was, um, there were several incidents of confrontation between me and my family. Um, but I, again, um, I was lucky at that point in the sense um, my parents took, took me to a psychologist. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, the person they took, took me to was um, quite modern and very open-minded and um, basically told my parents that if he's queer, there's nothing you could do about it, just let him be, you know, that you can't change it. Whereas um, I've heard stories of people being taken to um, psychologists at that point who were not that open-minded and recommended things like conversion therapies and all that and actually made their life more miserable. Whereas in my case, um, this is something um, that helped in the sense it made my parents understand that there's nothing they could do and the best they could do is just let me be, even though they were not happy about it. And they're hoping against hope that I would change and insisted that I don't tell anyone beyond my sister because it would humiliate them. 
uh, they were just okay to let me be. That's a relief to hear because um, you know you're quite you know first you know two things there um, that you know it's good that you found a psychologist who was you know we'll say open-minded and you know did well what is the right thing and um, that's you know a huge relief and we all you know there's enough knowledge of the dangers of so-called conversion therapy or actually conversion practice because it doesn't deserve to be called therapy <laughs> and you know i certainly um you know i'm glad glad to hear that and you know that there at least um that there was at least some degree of connection still with um you know original family in that way um you know thank heaven well you know thank goodness for that um psychologists it shows when people in positions of influence like that do the right thing what a big difference it can make but as you well, said yeah, that, that... compared to others who were not so fortunate um you know there's the contrast and i was going to say also that i just um, was an aside i just I wonder how much has changed on sex education in a lot of places in the world. I'm not sure it has. I wish it would um, and be truly positive and inclusive about sex rather than just, you know, STIs, as you mentioned, um, is an important thing. Um, you've ended up in Australia and you've talked about, you know, the advantage that, you know, at the time you came here in the early 2000s, being queer was legal in your words. Um, I just wanted to expand more on that theme, you know, that, you know, the parts about Australia, let's say whether it's, um, you know, um, living in Australia, what are the parts that are good, we'll say not so good, and all points in between, Bevan? I would say, um, obviously, the, the great part for me was, uh, was that, you know, I, I could be who I am over here. And, uh, yeah, that was a big thing for me. But it took me several years to actually come out, even after coming over here. Uh, yeah, it took um, six, five, six years for me to be fully confident um, and be open about my sexuality. And it actually happened only after I got my permanent residency. Um, now, obviously, um, yeah, my, my experience with Australia has been amazing, but you know, there's always been, there's, you know, obviously there's good and there is bad. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that uh, had a big impact for me on me was um, when I was assaulted while still a student. And I was, yeah, I was assaulted by unknown people um, one night. Uh, for, I don't know for, never, never really knew why. Um, um, complained to the police. Um, yeah, the, the union, the, the union, the student union at that time felt they could have done more to get to the bottom of it. Um, so that was probably uh, what I would say call as a tra traumatic experience. Um, but overall, I would say Australia has been amazing for me. You know, I've um, I've got good friends. Um, I've got a career which I enjoy. Yeah, so it's been it's been great, but as with everything, nothing's perfect. And um, uh, again, if something like that happened now, I'm sure um, um, things would have probably been taken a bit more seriously. Um, mm -hmm. At that time, maybe um, I probably did not 
uh, speak to the right people. Yeah, I have no idea why um, it was not taken seriously. Yeah, um, well, you know, first of all, I'm deeply sorry that you have been assaulted and that it wasn't taken seriously. And, you know, I hope that, you know, there's one area where we could um, get some improvement. And um, again, if there is anything in this for our listeners, if there is anything in that um, conversation, um, you know, that was distressing, please talk to someone, including again, switchboard, including um, as part of QLife on 1800 184 527. No, not perfect, I can say. Yeah, having, I've been there and I didn't think there was a quality enough response from police either. And that's, of course, a big issue in these times about, you know, police attitudes on diversity and similar things. Um, yeah. You know, I have to add that, um, you know, there, there was another incident where um, I felt like I was being um, followed by someone on a car on a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And I complained, and that is taken very seriously. They took the number down. They did a thorough investigation. So this is a few years later. Uh-huh. So it could just be... I have to point out that uh, my experience beyond that with the police has mostly been good. Okay, well, that... Which is good to hear, you know, that that experience is valid and it's good that it has shifted. And I think you've actually hit on some, you know, touched on something there that, you know, there are issues with police and it's unfortunate that there are some police who don't behave well in terms of various forms of diversity. But I think there are some who try hard as well. And, you know, I'm well aware of the the nature of these times that we're in and the issues that we're facing, um, but it's how we can you know, get those better police to be, as we'll say, as dominant, if not 100% as possible. It shouldn't be potluck, I suppose, um, that you've got <laughs> good service. Yeah. Um, so, you know, um, in terms of inclusivity, um, you know, you've mentioned that you're, you know, overall had a good life in Australia, but what do you think people could do to just be more inclusive of all forms of diversity, any parts of yourself that you think are relevant and, you know, any term, any part of society generally? What what do you think, you know, it, it needs for people to just treat people, we'll say, on their merits and with respect? I think um, the most important part is to um, to try and think from someone else's perspective. If, you know, um, don't fully separate yourself from others, you know, have, have the capacity to think you're, you're dealing with a fellow human being. Uh, that person may look completely different from you, um, behave completely different from you, have a, a completely different set of values, but understand this is a fellow human being. Try and put yourself in his or her shoes and, um, and, 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 and try and understand why he or she is that way. And often that lead, would lead to more inclusivity, that ability to see the world from someone else's perspective and the understanding that how he or she or they is, is perfectly normal. Yeah, they're just, they're a person. They may have various skin colours or backgrounds or sexualities or genders or anything else that ultimately we are all people. Bipin, I think that's 
a beautiful spot to finish on actually um <laughs> perfectly done i i just got to say i mean I, I i said last week on the show i just love hearing people's stories and i really loved hearing yours i just think there is an absolutely beautiful soul a great intellect a great empathy and you know you said um you know um you know, think about um you know from someone else's perspective well it's part of that connectedness you were talking about as well to do that as well so i think you know i just say very warmly if we had more people who have it together like you we'd really get this planet rocking so um thank you so much for sharing your story on 3cr today and um also want to give a mention to the Melbourne University group Queers in Science that's been running for a couple of years there now. I know you're not at Melbourne anymore, but I think I have to mention them. It's just great to see people achieving their potential and being so authentic. And, you know, definitely again, thanks for your time on 3CR today. Thanks, Ali. It was great speaking to you today. Thank you.
get your copy of 3CR's magnificent book. It's a stunning history of the people, programs and issues at the station since 1976. On sale now for the amazing price of just $20. Pick one up at the station or jump online and place your order. Radical Radio, celebrating 40 years of 3CR. On sale now for $20. 3CR, 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3cr.org.au and 3CR On Demand, Out of the Pan with Sally. And a great chat there with Bipin Pillai on his journey um, all the way from India to Australia. Music on the show today, we started the show with Stephen Cummings, who listens to the radio. Well, you do, because you're listening now. We've had Margaret Ehrlich, Only My Heart Calling You. We've had Broderick Smith, Someone You Love, and in honour of Bippin, we had Tommy Emmanuel and his track, The Journey. And it certainly was a great journey to share with Bippin and a reminder that um, you're welcome to come on and talk about your journey and all the parts of your life and all the intersections therein upon and to wit um, with the show on the show anytime, particularly at this time, wanting if you feel up to it, people of colour, um, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people, multicultural, so important uh, more than ever in this time that we acknowledge such groups. Um, also, during the week, well, someone who, part of his background was multicultural, was the funeral for Eamon Barbarasco, which was held on Thursday afternoon. And you can, um, it was streamed on YouTube and could, um, is probably still there. So um, if you do want to be a part of it, perhaps couldn't at the time, you can check that out. There'll also be a community celebration on the Sunday afternoon of, um, the um um of the 25th of july or saturday the 25th of july i beg your pardon um well, i don't have a time as yet but just perhaps um, keep that noted in the proverbial diary where the lgbtiqa plus communities can celebrate the great life contributions and approach of Amon barbarasco and a big shout out to daniel woodhouse who put in his queer community type of eulogy um, his, in terms of his friendship with Eamon as well, um, very moving. And as always, Daniel showing what a, an amazing community leader he is. Also got to give a shout out. Um, so many suburbs went back into lockdown in here in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia this week um, due to COVID. And many of them coincide with um, very, well, I think it's fair to say more proportionately populated queer communities and this can only be adding to the isolation um, hopefully we'll get some stuff going to see what um, the broader Melbourne and Victorian community can do um, but a reminder earlier in the show we had the queer mutual aid there's also a um, northern suburbs group on Facebook group um, and once again the numbers for um, switchboard including q life in both victoria and tasmania sorry about a slip earlier in the show there um 1-800-184-527 is q life including switchboard which is the latter covering victoria and tasmania but you can get through to councillors in other states and territories and on a separate but possible um large on another number to note if needed is 1-800 542847, the number for the With Respect Family Violence Service. 
so yeah challenging times once again at the moment um also um lots of comments thanks to um roving reporter who's been checking in and melina two of our regular contributors and hopefully we'll be able to i'll just drop a hint for now hopefully we'll be able to engage a little more effectively in a radio way in a couple of weeks there's the hint for now um waiting some more information on that at time of recording but take it out today well just for a little bit of fun and lightness with El Yankovic who else can you turn to um and a track from the Running With Scissors album and Polka Power um pick up any of your favorites in here thanks for tuning in to Out of the Pan I'm Sally Goldner catch you next week. Do 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 do